two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even the speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in a Christmas edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew. Welcome to the Party Pal Betts. It's a party. It's a Christmas party on this show. And, uh, you know, you said, you know, getting the holiday spirit. Christmas is coming up. This is a Christmas show. Kyle, I've had a stretch of just awesome Christmas movies in my life. Christmas episodes, my favorite TV shows. You and I, last week, watched The Office together. Uh, the other night, I watched the Benny Hanna Christmas episodes. Nice. Last night, have you seen Four Christmases uh, with Vince Vaughn? That's one, I think, underrated on the uh, Christmas movie scale. I love Vince Vaughn. We watched uh, Five Sleeps, which is uh, Five Sleeps Still Christmas, which is the new Jimmy Fallon kind of short um, kind of show. The boys like that. Uh, we've now hit 10 times of watching Home Alone since about the beginning of November, and about four <laughs> of those were in our van. So, you know, that that's the van life is, you know, we got a, we got a DVD player when we get to roll that around. I mean, uh, hey, brag about it. Jeez. I mean... What can I say? You know you're rolling. <laughs> you're rolling deep in the cash and the DK crowns when you're rolling around in a van. And uh, that Honda Odyssey, man, people know. They, they When they see that in the streets, they say, hey, I don't want to mess with this guy in the lobby. They're like, oh, crap, here comes Borg. All right, everyone, get out of the way. Betts and I are going to get to preview the week 16 slate. Well, we did it on Tuesday. We're actually going to break it down. Uh, break it down for our favorite salary standouts. Uh, the games are on Saturday for the main slate. We're not going to talk at all about the Sunday game. So if you want to find that, uh, you can get that in your in the Discord channel uh, if you want to be a part of that. The people are talking. But this slate, this week, we have a ton of questions about weather. We actually talked about that on the Fans Footballers main show. Jason and I put together a ton of data looking at games over the last 20 years and how does weather actually affect it. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in the mailbag. 
But before we do that, I, I just got to ask you. I got to ask you because it's almost Christmas time. Like, give me one of the top Christmas presents you ever got as a kid that just stays with you. That you're just saying, Bets, this, this, this was it. Dude, there was nothing better than being in elementary school and opening up a Nintendo 64. And anyone that's around our age can definitely relate to that. But man, I played that thing for hours, days, weeks on end around that time of the year and um, have always been a huge fan even since. Like A couple of my friends from high school still have theirs that actually still work, which is super fun. So if we get together every now and then, we'll break it out. So it's a ton of fun. That, to me, is is definitely the best one of all time. You know what's, what's funny is I came in here. I was like, oh, this will be a good question. My number one answer by far was my N64 year as well. Like, by, that it was is, the best. It, was, it, it changed the game. And yes, their games are still playable. Like I can still roll Super Smash if you, if you need me to. Um, I played a lot of Madden games, I, a ton of Madden. Mar- I mean, OG Mario Party was the best, and Mario Kart. It was uh, it was a pretty good time. I will say that I have some distinct memories of jerseys I got. Uh, uh, so I got a Peyton Manning jersey because uh, I grew up, you know, going to Tennessee football games. So Peyton Manning was the big deal. I got a David Carr jersey from the Texans one year when he was a first overall pick. I just wanted him to be a thing. <laughs> Oh uh, man, you're probably like one of 14 people that bought that jersey. And you know what? I still have that jersey. I still do to this day. <laughs> Again, why? <laughs> I have a one of my other favorite jerseys that I have is a LeBron James St. Vincent St. Mary jersey that I got uh, before he got drafted by the Cavaliers. So that was that's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, so some jerseys is a big part of my story. A big part of. You know, every year I just get like a different sports team. My room was just plastered. I think I've tweeted that out before, but there was no white space on my wall. All four walls are completely covered in different sports teams. Um, I had a McGuire poster, you know. I didn't know at the time he did he did steroids. Now you just put an asterisk next to it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's up. Emma, Emma doesn't like it. She doesn't like it in our room. I don't know why. I don't know why she <laughs> it looks so like good it. above the bed. If you want to get all of our picks, you can get in the DFS Pass, DFSPass.com. We just lower the price, 66%, and you can save you more with the promo code DFSPOD. Our roster percentage report, our DraftKings picks, our pace of play, the tools in there that you get to use for points per dollar, we think it can pay off swimmingly, and it is dirt, dirt cheap. We go all throughout the playoffs. We were talking about playoffs the other day, and those slates... Like we're starting to get that feel of like these are really intense games. The weather's a factor, and how do you look at it? So yeah, I, I'm excited for us to go into playoff mode. Uh, you can get all of those at dfspass.com. But let's talk about our cash picks. Straight cash, homie. There's only one man, one myth. Some would say on the minds of every single person this week, and one legend. Sit- and he's sitting there at 4.8K. What could be better than Gardner Minshew this week? We talked about it on Tuesday and said, you know, we'll see what happens with Jalen Hurts. We officially have the news. He is out. Minshew Mania is going to be under center for my Philadelphia Eagles in a huge game against the Cowboys. And, you know, really, Kyle, I don't think we need to talk about much outside of like, what can you expect in cash? Because the savings are incredible. I built a lineup before we started recording and I was able to fit in two of the running backs we're going to talk about and Justin Jefferson. So, the reason that you pay down for him is like you can fit the studs on the slate who have massive, massive ceilings. It will be very stars and scrub Z in terms of the cash game build. He's going to be in double up 60, 70%, I would think, maybe even more, honestly. 
I just don't think you get cute. I think you play it and you kind of move on. I mean, we have a question uh, in the mailbag from the real D Millie says, what are the chances that, that Minshew can put up 20 plus DraftKings points this week? Cause I think we both agree like points per dollar. He's the play. Yeah. He he's, he's it on both sides. 4.8 on DraftKings, 6.1 on FanDuel. I see no reason to try to go elsewhere. If you really want to get in the nitty gritty, like the Eagles offense last year, he had two starts, all right? He had week 13 against the Jets and week 18 against the Cowboys, which they were blown out. But they still ran a ton of plays, 68 and 70 plays. Uh, the pass ratio was was fine. And I think this is one of those games where I think he's going to get enough pass attempts to get there. I mean, 15 points, I would put that likelihood at 65%. I think possibly even higher. I mean, I know the matchup on paper, if you look across the entire season against Dallas, does not look great. But when you zoom in on what they just allowed to Trevor Lawrence and the Houston Texans quarterbacks from two weeks ago, um, they're giving it up. Five to two touchdown to interception ratio, over 50 combined rushing yards. They can give that up as well. And they're down two starting corners across the entire NFL season. So this is not a bad matchup. You talk about what they have as well. They've got one of the best offensive lines in football. When he was starting last year, they did not have A.J. Brown on the roster, one of the best wide receivers in football. Devonta Smith is probably the best wide receiver, too, in football. And oh, by the way, Dallas Goddard is back. So I see it really, really tough for him to fail relative to salary. Am I expecting 30 points from him? No. Am I expecting 15 to 20? Yes, I think it's very likely. So for me, I'm playing him in cash, and I will not be changing that. Was that just a chance for you to flex on your Eagles? Yeah, basically. That's fine. You know, there's some debate. There's some debate among different, you know, scholars whether Terrace Marshall Jr. is the best wide receiver too. But <laughs> the problem is, is he's the wide receiver one on his own team. So, whatever. Devonta Smith, Heisman winner. I love him. Uh, yeah, Minshew is just in our lineups right now. If you wanted to get different, the only other quarterbacks I've even considered this week, if you wanted to, is Daniel Jones at 5.6, and we'll talk about that game, and Patrick Mahomes. Those are both players that we will be stacking in tournaments. So, Please hear us. Like the issue of stacking Gardner is gonna you're gonna run into a ton of roster percentage. So can you do it? Yes. Can you play Gardner and figure out how to get different elsewhere because of your lineup construction? I think you it's super fun in tournaments. But I think in cash he's the play and you just move on. At running back, the reason why we like Gardner so much is because it opens up salary for CMC and Derrick Henry, who are top plays already. I mean, I can't imagine fading Derrick Henry this week. No, I mean, I, I think you can talk about it in, in tournaments if you want to, but when you think about cash games, it's a no-brainer. You know, you look at the matchup, it's obviously the best possible against Houston. They are seven-point home favorites. That checks the box. The old conversation used to be, you know, Derrick Henry's not catching that many passes. He has a 10 plus percent target share on the season. And actually across the last three weeks, it's hovering around 13% target share. So he is putting up massive numbers. He has crushed the Houston Texans, obviously, in his career, specifically the last four. And Malik Willis is under center. They're going to run the football a ton. And when you think about the, the Titans team, like they need to win this game. So it is not difficult to see the floor for Derrick Henry's touches to be 25, assuming health, with a ceiling for... 32, 33, 34 touches in this game. Again, I don't think you overthink it. He checks literally every box. Yeah, in two Malik Willis starts this year, the Titans' pass rate is 35%. It's it's 
it's laughable. And the stat we looked up today is the wide receivers in those games have a combined 1.6 fantasy points over two games. So we know where the ball's going. Pay up for him. It's totally fine. CMC at 8.8 is expensive, but his workload, everything else says that he's a great play. I think the construction this week is going to be Henry, and then people are either going to pay up for CMC or Dalvin, and then find somebody else in the 5K range if they want to get to three running backs. And I think it's a three running back week just based on the totals, the weather. I think people are how are going to do it. So I love Dalvin. I can't wait to talk about that game because I think he's in an eruption spot. 7.2 is way too cheap on DraftKings. And yeah, so I think you can play those guys, but I'm coming around to saying like J.K. Dobbins is one of my favorite plays this week. Yeah, he's getting the, the ball a ton, right? And you can run on Atlanta. I mean, that's been the story all year. So, you know, Lamar Jackson's still not practicing. He's going to be ruled out. It'll be Tyler Huntley again. Huntley, by the way, popped up this week with a shoulder issue on the injury report. I think he's fine and will still play, but it just adds more of an argument to saying like they've leaned on the run since Huntley's been under center and they really have all year. They're not going to change that at all in this spot. Um, again, they're kind of losing control of that division lead potentially. Like they're going to lean on their guys, and J.K. Dobbins is going to get the football. Add in Devin Duvernay done for the year. So again, just more saying they're going to run the ball. Dobbins to me is one of those guys that I don't think is a priority in cash. But if you lean that way, I think it's totally fine. I'm probably going to have some exposure in tournaments for sure. I think yeah, I think he has a high floor. I wish we got some you know passing volume like three four targets, but you know over 100 each of the last two weeks. I, and I want to dunk on the Falcons when I can. So this is a great chance to do it. Last thing I want to add is the Kansas City running backs. Jerick McKinnon, 5.9. Isaiah Pacheco, a little bit cheaper. I feel like I just want to play Kansas City running back. If I could play both of them, they're in a great spot against Seattle. Just giving up the second most fantasy points to running backs. Do you have a lean on those two based on price and game flow? I mean, I think on paper, if you just don't think about what happened the last couple of weeks, you'd say, okay, they, you know, they're at home. They are uh, ten point favorites. Last time I looked, I've seen it in some spots ten and a half, so it's on the move. And you would say, okay, Isaiah Pacheco is probably in line for fifteen, sixteen, seventeen carries and a good matchup and a positive game script. But as we talked about on Tuesday, the concern is that he's losing some of the high value touches inside the red zone to McKinnon, and obviously uh, losing the passing down work to McKinnon. And if you're playing on DraftKings. That matters a ton. So I'm probably honestly going to have exposure to both of these guys across, you know, the the lineups that I play. Obviously not together in the same lineup, but in different lineups. I think the field is going to gravitate towards McKinnon for good reason. He's been so, so good that, you know, Pacheco Michael overlooked, and it wasn't that long ago, i.e. last week, that Pacheco was pretty popular in tournaments. So I would not be surprised to see his roster percentage crater in the contest that I play. So he's an interesting kind of bounce back candidate, I think, for GPPs. Who would you rather play in cash? If I'm playing one of them, to me, it's McKinnon. Yeah, that's that's where I'm at right now. Uh, on FanDuel, we're still waiting on Ken Walker. I loved his price. I was ready to come on this podcast and talk about a 6.9 on FanDuel. is criminally underpriced. He's a big play guy. And as of right now, he's still not practicing on Thursday, right? Yeah, that's what we've seen. Basically, the latest as of our recording was that he was not in cleats and was just doing some stretching. So that's going to, I think, be three straight DNPs or if they list him limited. Uh, you know, Either way, I think it'll come in questionable, which makes it really, really tricky because last week he looked good and was healthy. So I'm not sure when this injury kind of happened or when it happened to get aggravated. But obviously, it gives you some concern. I think it takes him out of cash game conversation. If he's active and he gets the workload, then it makes sense. Um 
you know, in tournaments, I think, because when you look at their depth chart, they just cut Tony Jones Jr., which if you thought Walker was seriously injured, that makes me a little like, why would you do that? Um, and then DJ Dallas, of course, hasn't played in a couple weeks with his high ankle sprain. So as of our recording, the only healthy running back is Travis Homer. Um, so watch over the weekend to see what happens. Like if the team elevates someone from the practice squad or signs someone, that's usually not a great sign. But for now, I think you just kind of wait and see. For me, not in cash, but I'm okay in tournaments if he's the dude. Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing just to see how they're shaking things out. Uh, Travis Homer would be the play. DJ Dallas is super cheap as well. But you just kind of have to wait on the news. This is a weird week because of games being on Saturday. We have to think about them differently. Like from an injury point, like what you're doing for the Injury Blitz podcast, which shout out to uh, those that get that from uh, jointhefoot.com. Are you treating this today, like Thursday practice report or Friday practice reports? Yeah, and that's exactly how it is going to be for this slate. Obviously, the Sunday games and the Monday games will follow the usual pattern. But yeah, for injury blitz, I'm basically just moving things up by a day. So yes, Thursday is Friday and Wednesday practices are the Thursday practices, which are the ones that are usually most important as far as what the teams do. And the fact that he didn't practice in that one gives me some concern. At wide receiver this week, I have Justin Jefferson in my lineup on both sides, but especially on FanDuel. They're the same price on both sides, 9.3. And he's just on a historic tear, and we love talking about Justin Jefferson. He's one of our guys. So I have him in my lineup, and then I think a lot of people are going to be punting with somebody like a Richie James at 3.9, where you're you're using that stars and scrub approach. If you're paying up at running back, if you get some value from Minshew, you probably need to punt one wide receiver this week. So he's in play. Uh, and then the Carolina wide receivers are also very enticing this week. DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall against the Lions. Are you, are you in on DJ this week? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm concerned overall just about game environment with the Panthers. I mean, they've had games where they just don't run a ton of plays, and so it kind of lowers the ceiling of the game. But along the same lines, we know that the Lions have been so good against the run over the last six weeks. And across the entire season, and especially the last six weeks, they've been one of the biggest pass funnels in the NFL. You know, DJ Moore is a guy that at 5.5, you look at the price, it's very enticing. The matchup is absolutely there. I don't think the floor is as safe as it has been in seasons past, but we know his talent, we know the price tag, we know the matchup. So for me and Cash, I think he's a a totally fine mid-range option on this slate. DK Metcalf gets a bump with Tyler Lockett out. We're still waiting on Marquise Goodwin's status, if he's going to be playable, but... uh, we might be talking about DK Metcalf a little bit later on the show because he, he's a little too cheap for his role. So I'm a, I'm a fan this week at 7.1 on DraftKings. CeeDee Lamb also has a good tag at 7.5. Your boy Amon Ra in that same game uh, against the Panthers, 7.8. How do you feel like you're going to end up building knowing that you're paying up at running back with wide receivers? Yeah, it's, it's one of those that you're going to have to punt for sure at defense and I think at tight end as well. You will talk about Hawkinson in a minute as a, a good price tag. I think more of a tournament play for me this week, given the, the construction that I want, where it's Minshew, two of the high price running backs. And then I'm trying, if possible, to jam in Justin Jefferson. I mean, this spot is incredible um, for him. So if you do all those things, it leaves you very thin. You have to punt at least one wide receiver, tight end and defense to make that happen. Yeah, I'm finding that building this week I go, wow, the, the high price guys, like I have to get them in. I get in three, but I know I'm probably suffering at at least two spots. So 
Look at your projections. Make sure that you're not just saying, ooh, I like this player. Like, actually put out the point totals. Add up the targets. Like, add up the touches and see, is this a good uh, construction? Use our points per dollar in the DFS pass to use that. At tight end, you mentioned Hawkinson. I still like Daniel Bellinger on both sides. 3.3 on DraftKings, 4.7. He's fine. I'm going to be punting with either Richie James or Daniel Bellinger this week. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Uh, Minnesota, 25th in schedule adjusted points allowed to tight ends. Bellinger, you know, two weeks ago against Philly, left early with the rib injury. But in the two games since coming back off IR that he started and finished the game, uh, 97% and 98% of the snaps. So he's out there for literally every single play, running a ton of routes. He's probably going to see somewhere in the range of like three to five targets. But again, this is more about what spending down lets you to do at the wide receiver and running back position than it is about Bellinger as a play. But if you're looking at the slate, it's one of just two of the games that are inside a dome. Teams have to throw on the Vikings at one of the higher rates in football. So there are things that are working in his favor. So to me, I prefer to spend down to him if I'm going to punt. I'm also monitoring the Seattle situation because Noah Fant was a DMP two days in a row to start the week. We don't have it officially as of now for Thursday, but monitor that if Fant is out, Will Disley at 2.7, I get it. The floor is low, but the same argument. You know, it's a good game environment. They have to throw. Tyler Lockett is out. Marquise Gibbon popped up in the injury report. It would just be one of those guys that you just plug in and say, uh, you know, the floor is two points or three points, but who cares? He lets you spend up everywhere in your lineup. And to me, that's what I'm doing at tight end this week. And he's a DFS legend. Let's be honest. Like, Will Disley is kind of of one of the, (laughs) I won't call him cool. Will Disley's never been cool. But he's definitely been one of the punt tight ends that's worked out pretty well over the years, last couple of years. Uh, so I don't mind that at all. It is interesting, Hawkinson and Bellinger in the same game. They're going to carry a lot of the roster percentage. So think about that in tournaments, how you get different. And pay up for Travis Kelsey, just because he's good at the game. I think defense this week, people can go in a lot of different directions. I see the Eagles showing up for a lot of people on DraftKings because they're cheap at 2.2. If you just say, I want to play the Eagles and punt, that's fine. But you can play New Orleans at 2.8. I see you have the Bears listed at 2K if you just want to completely punt it off a bridge because of the weather. Uh, I like Baltimore. I know it's a little more expensive, but 3.2, they project well. Even the Texans, like, I know it's scary to play a defense against Derrick Henry, but how many pass attempts are the are the Titans going to have? Their team implied total is not even 20 points. Like, you could punt so many different directions. Yeah, this is a slate that, uh, you know, I'm going to let the roster percentage dictate how I play defenses in tournaments. And I'm less worried in cash about the actual defense and more about, again, what they let you do for the rest of your lineup as far as saving money and thinking about kind of like, how do they get there, right? So like the Bears at 2K against Buffalo, we know Buffalo wants to drop back and pass. Okay, that's good for your defense because it gives you more opportunities to rush the passer for turnovers, for stuff like that. But at 2K... Like, again, we're not picking on Josh Allen, but a 2K, if they give you five points, perfect. Let's move on and, and get the rest of the guys in our lineup. To me, the best that I have right now that I like from a good defense against a bad offense and weather and save money is the Saints at 2.8. Deshaun Watson's Browns have been terrible since he came back into the lineup. Just to give some numbers to that, 27th in scoring, 29th in yards per play, 24th in total DVOA, 28th in EPA. They are 0-2-1 in hitting their team total. The only time that they tied their team total was two defensive touchdowns. So they are 0-3 in their team total, basically, on offense. They've been bad. I think the 
Saints are a good play this week. Yeah, on FanDuel, you can play the Saints at 3.8 or you can play the Browns at 4.1. Those are going to be our top projected defenses based on salary and a very, very gross game. I mentioned this earlier in the week. I mentioned this on the main podcast. This is the lowest total in over a decade. It was way back when the Bills and the uh, the Colts had a game that was below this at 32. It's You just don't see games this low anymore. So uh, just complete fade on that entire game in general. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come right back. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected. Subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. So we're about to talk about three games here. And do you feel like people's preparation for DFS this week is going to be hindered by the holiday or are people about to abandon their families and win some cash for their families but lose their relationships? Yeah, I mean, that's obviously what the holidays are all about, right? Of course. Uh, no, I do think it will impact a couple of things because people are going to be busy on Christmas Eve. I'm going to be with my family the whole time, so I think my attention span is going to be a little bit uh, shaken this week. But the other thing is the weather being a, a huge factor. People love to talk about the weather. We talked about the weather. You know, it's one of those things that's dominating this slate. And so you combine like the holidays, the weather conversations of how do I play this slate. I think it's it's one of those that's I think very good actually for tournaments, especially because the chalk build is going to be Minshew and the expensive running backs. Yeah, and if you want like a complete breakdown today on the main show, Jason did a never not working segment that was a good ten to fifteen minutes of Jason being a meteorologist. And actually, it was really, really good. So uh, he kind of broke down that game from a redraft perspective, but I think a lot of it spills over in DFS, so I don't have to repeat myself. But let's talk about these games. Stack attack. First game, Seattle Seahawks at the Kansas City Chiefs. The DraftKings Sportsbook line is Kansas City minus 10, and the over-under is 49. This game is going to be super cold. It's going to get in single digits. But the wins shouldn't be a big deal, and overall passing volume is why we like this game. We know who Kansas City is. We know how efficient they are through the air. But I think with Seattle, we forget that this team wants to throw, and they throw early on. They have the second highest first down pass rate in the league. They trust Geno Smith, and I feel like they're going to have to lean on him even more if Ken Walker's banged up. For sure. They will have to. My only concern with with Geno is just, you know, I've been a Tyler Lockett guy for a very long time. I truly think he's one of the best receivers in football. And without him, you're plugging in guys like Marquise Goodwin and, you know, potentially backup tight ends as well. Like it, there's paths where it does go wrong for Gino. That said, teams are throwing on Kansas City at one of the highest rates. 
obviously you just said they want to throw. And I think we're pretty confident Mahomes and the Chiefs are going to have success against Seattle. Their defense has been so bad that it's actually good for their offense because they have to throw to keep up. Just to put numbers to it, over uh, since week 11, 28.5 points per game allowed. And three of the four quarterbacks in the teams that they have faced, John Wolford, Sam Darnold, Brock Purdy. So it's not like they're giving it up to the best offenses in football. They're giving it up to everyone. Mahomes should roll. And obviously that means they're going to push Seattle to keep up. Yeah, I, I just think that the stacking options in this game give you four or five routes. If you wanted to go Mahomes, McKinnon, Kelsey, or you want to go Mahomes, Juju, Kelsey, or you don't want to play Kelsey in the spot and you know you want to go elsewhere, like you can get three options on the KC side and bring it back with at least one option on the Seattle side, and it's just super clean. It's a game that we want. So on the Kansas City side, I don't have to say anything about Mahomes. He's expensive. And so I feel like his roster percentage will not be as elevated as it could be because people like some of the cheap options that are in better spots like the Daniel Jones. But his ceiling and his ceiling with Kelsey and his correlation with Kelsey should give you room to say, hey, a normal Kelsey-Mahomes stack game is 50 points. And if you can build off that and find a third option on that side, then you're then elevating your stack and elevating the other player on the Seattle side where this becomes like an optimal build. So it is expensive. Like Mahomes, Kelsey, DK, like that's not a cheap way to game stack compared to other games. No, and if you do go that route, you'll have to get a ceiling performance from those guys just because their salary and kind of what you're competing with with like the Minshew lineup. So like just to put numbers to it, like, if Minshew, some, for some reason, we don't think he will, but if he goes out and absolutely falls on his face, and let's say he puts up like 12 points, a lot of the teams in the contest that you're going to be playing in are going to fail because you just can't win with 12 points from a quarterback. Like if Mahomes comes out for 35, you will crush the the Minshew team. So there are paths to being contrarian in how you build, meaning spending up for some of these quarterbacks. And to me, seeing right now DraftKings, Mahomes coming in around like 10 to 12%, you know, that's not low by any means because we're used to like five, six percent for the quarterbacks. But if he is going to be, you know, a, a fraction of what the Minshew lineups are, I absolutely want to be taking shots on these guys. And if you aren't playing DK Metcalf, which, you know, I think he's a great play. If you're not, there are cheap ways that you can get correlation. If there's a backup running back in Travis Homer, if Marquise Goodwin's in play, if the backup tight end or Noah Fant is in play, there's ways to get there in, in a full game stack, even if, you know, it's not your preferred play in DK Metcalf because I get it. it is It is very expensive. This game is the highest GPS score of the week that I use in my pace of play metric. So a four and a half is really good. Um, if it had Tyler Lockett, like, I mean, there's a chance this could go up to like 4.75. Like this is a, out of five, this is a very good game that we need to realize. Like Seattle is not a sluggish offense. This isn't the Marshawn Lynch years. This is a different offense that does rely on efficiency, but we love it because opponents have to throw on the Chiefs. Opponents have a 67% pass rate, and the Seahawks rank third in explosive pass rate. It just sets up really well for DK Metcalf to get 12 targets. I mean, is that crazy to say that? No, I think it's very, very, very much in play. And I actually love Metcalf this week. I know you're going to talk about him later. But to me, is just one of the most obvious positive regression candidates in the touchdown department over the last two years. Since he entered the league, he's averaging 11 you know, per season. He's only on pace right now for 7.3, but he's second among wide receivers in end zone targets. So something's got to give. Lockett's out. Kansas City's allowed the most passing touchdowns in the league. I think we should look up after the show, Kyle, what the odds are for a Metcalf touchdown because 
I'm very into that this week. So I, I wrote down like some different stacking options. Like if you wanted to do Gino, DK Metcalf, and if you knew that Noah Fant was healthier, let's say it's Will Disley, that, that like you could double stack Geno Smith and then on the KC side, I'd probably throw in a Pacheco or McKinnon as like a, as the bring back. Like I think that would be my preferred route. Yeah, that makes sense. And if you did want to go with the running back, let's say Ken Walker's healthy. To me, I would not be playing Kim Walker as a one-off because in the games where he is hitting a ceiling, it means the game is staying close. He's not getting game scripted out. And so there's a chance that Seattle covers the spread. They keep it close. Let's say a field goal or something like Mahomes is going to keep throwing in those situations. So I would not be playing Kim Walker as a one-off, assuming he's healthy. I would be playing him as part of bring backs with Mahomes, correlating it as if the game stays close for me personally. And before we move on, I will just say one guy that I'm very into this week is Juju Smith-Schuster just because of the fact that I think if you're looking at this game and you want to try to get some exposure to someone that won't be super popular, like seeing him come in around 12 to 14% is definitely palatable. Over the last two weeks, 85% of the snaps, 10 and 11 targets in back-to-back games. You know, he's been the dude. And I know he's not getting the high value, like long, deep you know, targets, but playing on DraftKings, full PPR, something like eight for 80 and a touchdown can definitely get there. All right, give me your Vegas pick. I'm actually going to take the Seahawks to cover the spread. Just the trends. Like in the NFL, 10 points is so much to cover, even though the Chiefs are great. Seahawks are shorthanded. I will take Seattle plus the points. I will as well. Like if you look at this year for Kansas City covering, they're 4-10. and 10. Like, like it's been pretty bad in terms of them covering these types of line. That's because every spread for them is like 9 or 12 points. Well, yeah. If you just look over the last, like since last year, so, you know, really the last 30 plus games, They've covered a 10-point spread once. So I, I, I just think that line's pretty high. I feel like the public may not understand that uh, because they're the Chiefs. They're at home. But I will take Seattle minus 10. But I would still obviously pick Chiefs to win this game. Your Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys are now five-point home favorites. Over-unders at 47.5. We love this game from a pace standpoint. Since week six, Philadelphia's number one in pace. Dallas is number two. But can we say the same thing with Gardner Minshew at quarterback? Like, is this really going to be a back and forth game? I think it can be, especially relative to the context of the slate. Again, the weather is a concern. A lot of the games outdoors have massive temperature implications, meaning it's going to be freezing. Um, And so this is one of the two games that's being played indoors, and that should help elevate the game as a whole. And I think they trust Minshew. Like you said, in, in their starts last year, he was throwing the football. He's surrounded by playmakers. This is a, a smart offensive mind in Nick Sirianni. I think they're going to put him in a position to succeed, possibly create some layup throws for him, you know, make it easy, let A.J. Brown, let Devonta Smith get after the catch. But yeah, I think this definitely can be a pace-up spot for sure. We know Dallas is going to keep their pace up, and that should push Philly, especially given that they're uh, five-point underdogs in this spot. That's not something that we can say often about the Eagles. We haven't seen them have to play from behind very much. And so even if they do that, they should pick up their pace even more. So I have zero concerns about the pace in this spot. My concern is if Dallas sits on a lead because in neutral game scripts, they do want to run the ball. Their pass rate over expectation is way lower than you'd want. Uh, They're 27th in the league. So there is a scenario where they go in neutral and they just pound away with Pollard and Zeke and they have the offensive line to do it. Dak is frustrating. I I've have Dak in one of my main leagues, and I'm benching him this week because the upside. Who are you playing? I'm playing Fields. So. Oh, okay. That makes sense. <laughs> I just I my my team. I need some 
I need some oomph. You need like a 75-yard touchdown run? Guaranteed, though. You know that. The thing with Dak is not only does he not have a 300-yard game, he has one game where he's hit over 20 points. So on DraftKings, you're not getting a bonus. You're He's having to compete with others. I get that he's indoors. I just I feel like I'm just waiting for a ceiling game from Dak where he is the QB1 on the slate, and it just hasn't happened. Yeah, I played him actually in a couple tournaments last week, and I was excited because I was like, oh, here we go against the Jags. Great matchup. You know, in the first quarter, second quarter, he was throwing. It looked good. And then they did kind of sit on the run game and just kind of, you know, manage the game with with Dak, which it's working for them. So to their credit, they're not going to change it. Um, and I'm with you. And, and I do have concerns about Dak's overall ceiling, even though I think the game can get there. You need three touchdown passes from Dak, and you need him to go for at least 250 to kind of even compete with, like, the value of Minshew, the ceiling of Mahomes. And not to mention, you know, we're not really going to talk about them on this slate, Josh Allen and Justin Fields. But in that game where weather is a concern, like, Allen can run for over 100 yards in a score. We know Justin Fields can do that every week. And real quick on Justin Fields, like, I think he's an awesome tournament play naked this week. Just because, I don't know if you've heard, Kyle, he's been talking about the quotes uh, and, and the stats for what he needs to break Lamar Jackson's single-season record. He even did the math in one of the quotes. He was like, yeah, I need like 70-plus yards a game, something like that. We'll see if I can do it. So we're not talking about that game, but I just want to point that out. Like, I think Fields and Josh Allen, their ceiling, because they're rushing, can also take Dak down the board. So I'm with you. I don't have a lot of interest there. I love hearing that about Fields. That makes me so happy just because... He knows the record, man. I think he's going for it. You and I have pounded the table for Fields for a couple years. We've also lost a lot of money on Fields, but <laughs> look at us now. Yeah, don't worry about that. Uh, okay, so Pollard and Zeke, how are you handling them in terms of, like, I, I think Pollard, you could play in cash. I feel totally fine about that. But against the Eagles, are you interested in either of those two? I don't know if it's just a bias I have, but I always prefer Pollard. Uh, clearly, he's just more explosive. You know, he's more dynamic with the ball in his hands. And for Zeke, he's just very touchdown dependent at this point because, yes, he's getting volume, but he's just not getting as much work in the receiving game. Last week, Tony Pollard, 23 touches, Zeke 18. Pollard, five targets, Zeke two. So, again, if you're playing on DraftKings, I know he's $1,000 more expensive. He's 7K versus 6K for Zeke. But I prefer Pollard, especially because you think about you know, the game environment and kind of how the Eagles play defense. We've talked about the run defense being an issue over the last six weeks, but over the last couple of weeks, they've really shored that up and it's gotten better. So I see a Zeke game of like 16 carries for like 80 yards, which is good for NFL, but not for us in fantasy. So he needs a touchdown to pay it off. I'll bet against that most weeks. If I'm playing one, it's Pollard. Do you know why the Cowboys said, Hey, we're going to pay up for Michael Gallup and give him a ton of money, but then make Noah Brown their wide receiver too. Why do they do that? And bring in T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> I, it's it's weird. Uh, Michael Gallup has just three catches over the last two weeks. Noah Brown is also frustrating to watch because I have C.D. Lamb on two of my main teams, and every time you're like, oh, no, nope. Okay, their numbers are similar. They have similar hair, and I don't know. Nope, that's Noah Brown. So yep. 15 targets over the last two weeks. For me, it's it's real simple. I'm not, I, I'm not loving stacking Dak, so I'm going to pick either C.D. Lamb or Schultz and then correlate them with somebody else if I'm stacking Minshew on the other side. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I kind of feel the same way. And just to speak to the Cowboys wide receiver rotation, like T.Y. Hilton was not active last week. I think there's a pretty good chance he does play in this game. Not that we're recommending T.Y. Hilton, but just that if he mixes in for 10, 12, 15 snaps, like it just takes away more from Gallup and Brown. So for me, I have no interest in those guys, but I'm with you. I have more interest in stacking the Philly side, bringing it back with someone like C.D. or Pollard. 
All right, and then let's briefly touch on the Philly wide receiver options, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and they should have Dallas Goddard back this week. Do you have a preference of where you're going with those guys? You know, it's it's always tough with Devonta Smith specifically just because his best games have come with Goddard out, and so if you think that matters, which it's logical to think that it does, then the ceiling maybe isn't there the way it normally is. You know, just in the last uh, 10 weeks from weeks one to 10 with Goddard active, he only had one game over 100 yards. So he just didn't give you that slate-breaking upside very often. Granted, he has been very, very good uh, over the last several weeks. So I get it as a GPP play. To me, the the name that I keep coming back to, though, is A.J. Brown because he's priced up to the point where I think people are not going to play him. Think about Justin Jefferson, Travis Kelsey, the running backs, McCaffrey, people that you want to spend up for. Brown's going to get overlooked, and I think people will say, you know, Minshew's the quarterback, like maybe the ceiling isn't there. I keep saying it. Dallas is not as good as what they were earlier in the year. 29th in scheduled adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers since week 10. They have backup cornerbacks in the in the NFL playing against A.J. Brown. The dude is a man. If no one is playing him, I will be. Such a homer. I tell you, I, I, I'm here, people, to expose bets as an Eagles fan. Well, you already knew a Super that. Bowl champion Eagles fan. Oh, well, you know they're falling flat if they <laughs> give them that kind of stuff. Oh. Absolutely. Give me your Vegas take. Wait, wait, wait. No love for Miles Sanders? No. No, dude's out of the oh, league. Oh, I'm interested in Miles Sanders. He's out of the league. <laughs> What's funny about, real quick with Sanders, isn't the games where they have, for some reason, not gone his way? Last week, everyone was like, oh, it's a Miles Sanders week. And they just gave him, what, 11 carries or something? In the games where that's happened this year, Nick Sirianni has publicly come out and said, yeah, it's my fault. We got to give him the ball. And the next week, he has force-fed him the football. So... I think Miles Sanders is another great GPP play, not in cash for me, but just against Dallas earlier this year, 18.71 and one. Dallas is long 4.4 yards per carry and the ninth most yards, rushing yards to running backs. Leighton Van Der Esch is out in this game. Miles Sanders is a good play. Okay, I can't argue with that, especially as leverage on Minshew stacks because people aren't going to be yeah, playing. Yeah, exactly. I, he's going to be a fraction of, of what Minshew is. Yeah, people aren't going to be playing Minshew and Sanders together very much. I will take, shocking, I will take the Eagles and the points. I do too. I mean, five is kind of a lot to cover, and I don't think Minshew's that bad. I think he's one of the best backups in the league, so give me the Eagles plus five. You heard it first here. Eagles. Betts is predicting that they win this game. I don't know how he arrived there. Last game we're going to preview here. New York Giants at Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are four-and-a-half-point home favorites. Over-unders at 48. I'm sorry, Vikings fans. It's just nonstop. No matter what, it's a one-score game. Uh, they're 10-0, and 0, though, this year in one-score games. That's insane, right? I can't wait to talk about that in the offseason because it's interesting to think about how they should... Like, they could have been 5-5 five and five or 4-6 and six in these one-score games, and obviously that has a huge impact on the record. I feel like if you have some Vikings overs or the division ticket, variance has gone your way. But we also said last year they lost like every one-score game, right. so maybe it's just balancing out. We'll see what, what they look like in the offseason. But yes, this is going to be, I think, another one of those... Field goal, touchdown type games, it'll be, I think, close enough. It'll be interesting to see because they're going to get a home playoff game. You know, they're going to be probably the two seed. And it's like you could easily see yourself taking the other team to win uh, in the first round. So we love Viking games because we get points, right? They've produced the fourth most total points per game, and their secondary stinks. So. There's just so many options on the Giants' side where usually we would say it's Saquon and you can't have confidence in anyone else. 
I think you can have confidence. I think people will be playing Daniel Jones stacks this week. Darius Slayton makes a ton of sense. I will say Daniel Jones doesn't throw deep very much. Like it, it's actually shocking if you want to look through, you know, depth of passes. Like he's one of the players that shows up at the very bottom of 20 plus yard attempts. So this is a recipe though for teams to say, hey, I need to throw on the Vikings. So for me, you can double stack Daniel Jones. You can do it with Saquon. He had a season high in targets last week. And then add in Slayton. And I, I like that triple stack if you want to bring it back with Dalvin or Jefferson on the other side. Yeah, I think honestly any of the wide receivers can get there. For the Giants, it's because the Vikings are so bad. And if you kind of think about, like you said, Jones is not throwing the ball deep very often. You can just look back to last week. You know, uh, Matt Ryan was a guy that we said on our live show, like the matchups there, I don't think he's going to throw deep a lot. And so in hindsight, the Alec Pierce call was miserable. But the point remains, you can move the ball against this team because their secondary is so bad and you can get PPR volume. So it would not be surprising to me to see Slayton or Richie James or Isaiah Hodgins end up in a lineup because their price tags are so cheap. Richie James, 3,900. Isaiah Hodgins, 4,100. Darius Slayton, 5,200. So it's very, I think, good from a value standpoint. If you want to stack Daniel Jones or use any of those guys as a tournament bring back, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this is one of the two dome games we have on the slate, which is scary to say on a 10-game slate that there are about four or five games that I think everybody feels weird from a weather standpoint. Like, I, I don't know what to do with these games. This is one you can have confidence in. It's indoors. It's Kirk Cousins at home. Kirk Cousins in wins has very good splits as well. So there's just a lot to like. With Cousins, he went for 404 last week. Somehow they won in overtime. Are you just, same thing on his side. You're double stacking Kirk Cousins and bringing it back with Slayton or Saquon on the other side. Yeah, Cousins to me is sort of a tricky click on this slate mostly because i have interest in one of two routes whether it's paying down for Minshew, which i will play a couple lineups of him in tournaments just in the in the event he goes for 20 like at his price tag he'll still be a good play even if he's going to be popular so to me i have interest in either spending all the way down or just getting up to the studs like mahomes josh allen justin fields so i get the argument for kirk cousins and i get the argument for his guys I don't know. I, I'm I'm having a tough time with him. What are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Because I love Dalvin Cook and I love Justin Jefferson this week. You don't like that. You don't like Kirk Cousins. You think that Iced Out Kirk has just been riding high on variance for a little too long. Maybe. I just think Dalvin Cook's going to go absolutely bonkers. Okay. I I want Jefferson or Cook in most of my lineups. Yes. I want to lean into their implied total. I want to lead into a game that just feel like pace-wise, like we know the Vikings are going to be efficient. At home, Kirk Cousins is averaging 39 and a half passing, or in wins, he's averaging 39 and a half pass attempts. I mean, 40 pass attempts is an awesome total to be able to bank on if you think the Vikings are going to win this game. And it also elevates Daniel Jones on the other side. So, I mean, it just, it just feels so simple that you can double stack either side and then the bringbacks are clear. So, I don't mind Kirk Cousins at all. I don't even mind stacking with Dalvin Cook knowing that he gets involved in the passing game. So the only thing that I worry about running into is you start to miss out on some salary when you bring Kirk, Cook, Justin Jefferson, and then, I mean, there's no way you can bring back with Saquon. Like, you're just, you're, you're, running, you're running out of salary. So the cheap guys, Richie James, I feel like are going to be stuffed into lineups, and people are going to probably chase K.J. Osborne, who I'm not as interested. 
Yeah, he obviously was a big product of just them having to throw every play when they got behind by, what, 33 points or whatever it was. So I'm with you. I don't have interest in him. Um, but again, I, I just keep going back to Dalvin. Like the, the Giants' run defense has been so bad this season and specifically over the last four, five, six weeks. They're just getting absolutely crushed. Uh, I have it in my cash game article. I'm trying to find it real quick to what they are. Oh, 5.4 yards per carry this season is 31st. Only the Chargers are worse. And the third most rushing yards per game. They're also 31st in rush defense DVOA uh, to me. And Dalvin has been underperforming, which is crazy because he's been decently good recently. It's just an absolute dream spot at home. They're favored. High total. I, I want to play him, I think, in cash and, and really in tournaments as well. All right. Do you have a Vegas lean on this game? You know, the games stay close, so I'm going to take the Giants plus four and a half. Okay. My lean is the Giants. My lean is also the over. Yes. Uh, and it was bet up earlier in the week. So th- that's kind of the where, where I'm seeing this game. Before we get to our props, before we get to the mailbag, let's get into our slate breakers this week. And this is a sponsor that some of you out there may be more familiar than others. And my childhood, my sports childhood was basically glued to this. It's Big League Chew. Oh, dude. What flavor? I was great. Oh, my like, gosh. Yes. I, th- I was hoping you would say that. That was my favorite as well. So good. Yeah, I, I I have very distinct memories. So I played baseball all the way growing up. And my mom would go to the concession stand at the park that I would play at. And in between innings, I'd get either some big league chew or some airheads or something. And, man, I was a pretty popular kid on the – I mean, I didn't ride the bench. But, you know, in between <laughs> innings, I would get everyone my was, big old wad of big, Yeah, everyone was coming over to, uh, to get their chew from Kyle at eight, 10 years old. What's funny about that is that it was – and this is genius by them, by the way – is the flavor was so strong for approximately a minute and a half and then it was just gone. And so you were like, I have to keep eating more. So by the end, you're eating like wads of bubblegum the entire game. It's great product. Absolutely love it. I mean, they did it. They're, they've done great work. They're still alive today. So is that if right? you want to, you know, yeah, well, obviously they're a sponsor of the show. So they're alive. You know, they reached out. Man, next uh, next road trip, I'm grabbing some Big League Chew. <laughs> you got to. Mine is... <laughs> This week is none other than DK Metcalf, 7.1 on DraftKings, 8,000 on FanDuel. His targets per route run, which is a metric we talk about all the time, is 34% when Tyler Lockett is off the field the last two years, either missing a game or not on the field. So 34 34% is beyond elite. We know Geno throws. He throws often. I feel like he should be a player priced up $1,000 more given his role and given how much people want to pass on Kansas City. So I will be way overweight on DK Metcalf this week. Yeah, I think he's a phenomenal play. We talked about the touchdown regression as well, so I am with you. In the same game, we talked about this player a little bit. I don't think we hit on enough how awesome of the spot this is for Travis Kelsey because everyone paying down for Minshew, paying up for Henry, McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, it is going to be pretty tough, I think, to fit Travis Kelsey in your lineup, but I think you want some exposure to Travis Kelsey. The spot is incredible. They're at home. They have a huge team total, the highest on the slate. The Seahawks, third most yards, fifth most touchdowns, 28th in DVOA, and they're facing the game's best pass-catching tight end, possibly in the history of the game. Uh, Travis Kelsey goes bonkers this week. In the history of the world. History of no the one. world. Travis Kelsey for the win. No, and I, I I love it. and Just play them together. A little mini more, correlation there. Yeah, and the more you look, G- Geno Smith's 5.8. Like He's way, way too cheap. You can stack him easily. You're saving, um, and you're getting off Minshew, so... Those are our Slate Breakers presented by Big League Chew. Let's prop it up. 
Prop it like it's hot. If you want more of our props, you can get them in the DFS pass. We have a alert system set up in our Discord. So once Matthew gives those, you get notified. You know, it's like a, it's like a, you tapping someone on the shoulder and saying, "Hey, go get this line, buddy." That's, and uh, that's literally what I type every time. Hey, yep. I'm gonna give mine first this week. It's Patrick Mahomes. It's over. 15 and a half rushing yards. And I feel like you are the king of taking the over on quarterback rushing yards, especially Patrick Mahomes. Like I feel like you've done this 20 times. He has been a guy that I've kind of targeted, especially in the playoffs. So I'm sure we'll talk about him when we get to January in the playoffs. He runs a ton. Yes. And because they drop back so much, like it creates opportunities for scrambles and for him to take off. So uh, why are you specifically on it in this game? So he's averaging four attempts per game, four rush attempts, He's averaging 22 yards in the season. The line's at 15 and a half. And over the last seven, he's run even more 29 rushing yards per game. But also, the way Seattle's defense works is there's a lot of holes, especially in the middle of the field. Like, that's where they've given up a ton to tight ends. So, Patrick Mahomes is one of those players that, you know, you get this sneaky production. Like, we know that 303 is in the bag, but you also get somebody that can add 30 to 40 yards. And I, I just think it's a really good spot, especially in the highest total on the slate. Interesting. I was just looking up. The the Seahawks are allowing 21 yards per game rushing to quarterbacks. That is 12th worst. Not good. <laughs> not not good. You know what else is not good? This uh, New Orleans game against the Browns is going to be ugly. And I know this line is low, but I still think the under is in play. I'm going to take under 150 and a half passing yards for Andy Dalton. Found this on BetMGM and DraftKings. It's also on Caesars, but worse odds. So if you're playing it, check those other two books first. This, to me, is one of those spots where the wind actually does matter. You're going to see gusts up to like 40 miles an hour, sustained 20 to 30. But I think there's other outs to this also coming in, not just because of the weather. Chris Olave, not practicing. Jarvis Landry, add to the injury report. Last week, Taysom Hill, again, mixed in, took some passing volume from Andy Dalton. I think they're going to have to run the football. I think we'll see more Taysom Hill. Last week, Dalton attempted just uh, 17 passes in the entire game against the Falcons. So lots of running on Cleveland's terrible run defense in this game. Give me under 115.5 on Dalton. All right, let's finish up. Mailbag. If you want to get your questions answered best, you get them in our DFS channel in the DFS Pass. That's part of Discord. It's great, great place to be. And you'll have people talking all throughout the weekend. I will not be hanging out with anybody on Sunday. Sorry, it's Christmas. Be with the fam. But if you're into Christmas games, if you want to talk about those, you can definitely do that in there. This first question comes from Discord. Can you speak to adjusting your mindset for GPPs compared to cash? I hear people talk how they wouldn't roster a certain player if they are highly rostered, even if this player is someone like Derrick Henry versus Houston. To follow up that, how do you decide of when to eat the chalk, a.k.a. When do you eat Derrick Henry? <laughs> it is absolutely terrifying to not have him in your lineup this week, isn't it? I mean, it's just a dream spot. So when I'm talking about GPPs versus cash, not considering the Derrick Henry or popular player question, to me, it's all about floor in cash. You want ceiling as well, but floor in cash and then chasing just top end ceiling in GPPs. You know, you don't care as much about floor. You don't need the, you know, seven for 80 in GPPs. You need the... 891 and a touchdown. You need more of that. So you have to think about how these players score their points, game environments, stacks, correlation, all those things. And then to speak to some of these guys that are highly rostered, I think this gets misconstrued a little bit in the DFS world is that people view players as only cash or only GPP and it has to be one way or the other. 
what really matters is how you're managing the rest of your roster. So if you think Derrick Henry is an absolute incredible play this week, which he is, I'll play him in some tournaments, just don't play the other super popular guys. Like don't play Derrick Henry and Christian McCaffrey and Gardner Minshew all in the same lineup because you're going to see so much of that. It's okay to play one or two of those guys. Just get different elsewhere if you're going to play some chalk pieces. And I think that is the best way to play GPPs is a combination of contrarian and really good cash plays. Yeah, you have to ask yourself a question. Why are these players so popular? Well, because their projections are great or they have a great matchup. And Derrick Henry, you're getting both of those. So, yes, in a lineup, you do not want to play all contrarian plays. So, you know, let's just say for for example here, like if Damian Pierce was playing in this game and you're like, oh, I'll play the running back on the other side opposite Derrick Henry. And then I'm going to play instead of Justin Jefferson, I'm playing Darius Slayton. Uh, and then instead of Gardner Minshew, I'm just going to stack you know, Dak Prescott, you end up going down a rabbit hole of having about five pieces that no one else does. And yes, you can get really different, but there's a reason certain players project so well. So fade Derrick Henry, Justin Jefferson, CMC, like it takes some guts to fade all three of those players because their projections are always going to show up so high. Now, are they guaranteed to be the RB1 on the slate? No, like when Derrick Henry went off for 219 and two, against the Texans earlier this year. Do you know he was the RB3 on that week? Wow, really? Like, yeah, he wasn't the RB1. I would never guess scoring. that. And just because he, he can't compete, you know, with other players in, in terms of a pass catcher. But add up the scores. Like, add up, like, if I got 25 points from Derrick Henry, can I recreate that somewhere else from somebody who's a good play? And, like, Ramondre Stevenson this week. He's a player that's always going to project fine, and last week, he was one of those plays that hit a ceiling outcome. Like, he had 172 rushing yards. So, find players like that that project well that you can mix in there, especially if they're at the same price points. Like, you're trying to add those in, but you're not trying to just simply say, I'm not playing Derrick Henry in tournaments. You're you're mixing and matching. Yep. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Next one from Phillies for Life. Must be your burner account. On, uh, on- <laughs> yes, it is. Phillies for life on Discord. I'm a rookie tournament player here. How do you utilize late swap in a tournament? Most of the time, your plays are already low roster percentage plays, so wondering how you use it. Yeah, this is really important, I think, for GPP players, whether you're a rookie or a veteran. It's just understanding when it's appropriate to do it. And to me, I use it as a situation where if my plays that are contrarian, lower rostered in the early slate of games, are not hitting, I need to get off the chalk late if I have them in my lineup. So to me, that's the most obvious way to do late swap. Do you have any other additional thoughts, Kyle? I I guess I I know most of the time who's going to be in the late window, like who's going to be popular. Like I can actually list out, you and I will do this sometimes before and like, okay, who could bury us? You know, we'll list like four or five players. So I like to use a spreadsheet and, Nerd. or you can use notebook paper. I know. And just write out like, here are the players that could do this. Okay. So he, who are the other players? If I'm in a tournament that can give me a ceiling outcome, uh, that would give me leverage. So, for instance, instead of DK Metcalf, uh, who's somebody that you could use late window? Like, you could use a Juju Smith-Schuster, or you could use an MVS in that same game and say to yourself, like, okay, let's say DK doesn't get there. Uh, this is how I get to do it. So, I don't know. Like, it's it's you knowing what the field is going to do. Use our roster percentage report. And looking at those plays and then saying, okay, in the same game, at the same time, I see this player having a, like Juju has a fine median outcome, right? Like, I don't know, like 13 DraftKings points, something like that. Like, I think you can count on something like that. Juju hitting 25 is probably not what people are counting on in a GPP. 
unless they're stacking with Mahomes. So just those are the things you can talk out and see like, okay, does this work or not? Uh, and we have other stuff that we talked about before on late swap. Um, in the discord, I, I see people all the time like, Hey, in the late window, who could you swap to? People are pretty good about offering those kind of things. This next question is from Brett Thompson, one of the uh, DFS pod OGs. Brett's been a long-time listener. Are we fading the Bills passing attack this week? So this is a tricky question because they have such a high ceiling. And also it's Thursday when we record this. So monitor what's happening come Saturday. But it does not look like a great passing environment. That said, the Bills know how to play in cold weather games. They've played and win before. Josh Allen has one of the strongest arms in football. So... You know, I wouldn't be shocked if he has a great game. I think the ancillary pieces to me are off my board. Gabe Davis, Dawson Knox, those kind of guys. But like, if no one in the world is playing Stefan Diggs this week, Stefan Diggs is one of the best players in football, and the Chicago Bears secondary is horrible. So if no one's playing it, I think it's actually kind of interesting. I talked about uh, Allen's rushing upside here, so I do have interest in some Josh Allen uh, naked teams. Hey now, on, what, what could go wrong? Josh Allen naked on Christmas Eve. Um, but I think overall I'm fading the <laughs> secondary pass catchers for the Bills. I I mean, what has Gabe Davis done to, to get you to doubt him this year? I, exactly. I know. He's been so good. Oh, man, I every every week I go, ooh, if there's ever a week to get a Gabe Davis GPP week, and, and every week I stare at it and I go, I'm just burning money. Yeah. Because that's... Which means that's, you know he's going to randomly come out for like, you know, 120 and two because a, de- a defensive back slipped on a play or something like that this week, isn't he? Yes, I'm just waiting on when you tell me he's a good play in the playoffs because that's when we'll all make money. Yep, we'll play him in the playoffs. Don't worry. Okay, good. Next question from Father of the Boys on Discord. How many GPP contests in different lineups do you typically enter each week? I'm trying to find the balance of when to give certain entries. Yeah, for me, I, I keep it pretty consistent. Sometimes it depends on what's going on in my life and traveling and all that sort of stuff. But in general... I usually play, you know, we always play just one cash lineup and then I usually play anywhere from like three to seven tournament teams. Again, just depending on how much I like the slate, how busy I am in life, stuff like that. But for me, I'm not the 20 max guy or the 150 max guy usually. I heard a Tony Max guy. That's what I heard. Tony Max. Who's that? A creative player on Madden? No, it sounds like a tournament player. Tony Max. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I'll play in the tournaments that we have. Um, I'll, I will usually max out a couple, you know, usually three max or 20 max uh, if I really wanted to and build around those. I, this weekend, I will definitely be way underweight. Like, I'll play in our, I'll play in our tournaments. I'll throw a couple. I always do a, a golden gun approach if I'm going to do Millie Maker, and I think on the year I'm still profitable, so I don't recommend that to anyone. Uh, yeah, I, I think if you're going to do anything, I tell people, play in the hundo contest. Like, you can actually set a setting on DraftKings where you say the number of players that are going to be in this contest is up to 100. And those hundos, I think, are a really great way to try out things. They're single entry. You can do, you know, a dollar all the way up to, you know, $500 entry. But those are really good ones to say, okay, against 100 people, I think the roster percentages are going to condense. You can play a cash lineup and then switch two or three things, and I think you can actually get there in a tournament. So those have been some of my favorites just to tell people, like, here's a good place to start. And uh, you don't have to manage as much. Like, it's so hard to manage a 20 max uh, or, you know, obviously 150 max to do that. So if you're still starting out, that's what I would encourage people to do. A couple more questions here from Benihana. When looking at 2v2 swaps, so if you're swapping between or you're trying to figure out in your cash lineup, what is your process in going with the stars and scrub versus two mid-range guys? 
I assume the short answer is depends on the situation of the players, which, yeah, it always depends on those. But what is y'all's process when trying to dissect that situation, ultimately making a decision on what's good for your lineup? Yeah, it is tough because the answer is it depends. But uh, as far as the stars and scrubs approach, this is a classic example this week with Minshew where it opens up beautifully for you in cash games and you do go with the stars and scrubs approach. There are other slates where you have, you know, these kind of like 6K quarterbacks, 6K running backs. We've had that a lot this year that the balance builds make a lot of sense. But to speak to the 2v2 stuff, this is a lot of what it comes down to in cash games. And for me, what I look at when trying to decide a 2v2 you know, we talk about floor all the time, but if I am trying to decide between a 2v2, I do want to factor in a little bit of ceiling and cash. Again, floor matters more, but if I'm think, thinking about two guys that have basically the same projection or 2v2 with the same projection, you might have one that has a massive ceiling and a better game environment and one that has a better mid- median range of outcomes, but the ceiling just isn't there. It just never happens. So I'm leaning ceiling when given the situation in 2v2. To me, that's kind of my last, I think, tiebreaker in those situations. Yeah, and a lot of times realize you the only reason you're in a 2v2 is because you've locked yourself in. You know, you've made your lineup and you said, I'm playing Minshew, I'm playing Derrick Henry, you know, I'm playing Dalvin Cook, I'm playing Justin Jefferson. And then you start realizing that you've kind of limited yourself to only two or three options at the very end, which is fine. That's the, the place where people get. Let me give you an example. This is just looking at the salaries in front of us this week. These players are the exact same price, okay? DJ Moore at 5.5. And TJ Hawkinson, okay, their combined price is the exact same as DK Metcalf and Daniel Bellinger. Okay, so DJ Moore, TJ Hawkinson, or DK Metcalf and Daniel Bellinger. I mean, if we talk about what I just said with some ceiling, it's tough to see it for DJ Moore. DK Metcalf could come out and break the slate and go for 30 without Lockett. And if I'm deciding on that, we know tight end floor in general is lower just across the board. So I'm fine going with the Metcalf side in that one. Yeah, I think I'd lean the Metcalf side. Also, I know the field is going to be playing cheap Giants. Like, they're going to be playing Slayton. They're going to be playing Richie James a lot. So, in this build, what I'm saying is that Daniel Bellinger is a fine punt play, and the other options are just fine. Uh, Or maybe you want to play them in tournaments, but DJ Moore and TJ Hawkinson both have a good floor. And if that's what your team needs, that's fine. I want to build in upside with at least a couple of my players in my lineup. And DK Metcalf... I said earlier as a player I'm in love with. So I lean that direction this week. It is nice when you look at your lineup and you go, wow, I have a, a bunch of guys that I can count on. But it's also great when you can have a player. It's like, oh, this could be the wide receiver one on the slate, right? Like DK Metcalf can do that. I don't think DJ Moore could finish higher than like not, seven or not eight. Not with this version of the team, no. Not with a Sam Darnold-led version? You know, I don't see it. Sammy D. All right, last one. From S. Rector, what's the best way to find small field GPPs outside of the hundo contest in the Footballers League? Most of what I find in the lobby uh, contests are 3,000 and above. Yeah, so actually with this one, this is one where you do want to wait till I think, game day to reserve some entries. If you wait around to like an hour to two hours before uh, kickoff and lock, DraftKings specifically, I'm not sure about Fandle, but I know on DraftKings, they'll release some smaller 300, 400, 500 person field uh, contests for you. And usually they're not that expensive. I think I've seen a couple anywhere in the range of like 20 to 25, 27 bucks, 33, stuff like that. So it's kind of like mid-range, I guess, stakes. But they do open them up closer to the day of the games and contests because they actually want you to fill the lottos faster because that's how they make their money. (laughs) No, yeah. I, I think people don't realize when they go in the lobby that things change over time. 
Uh, I look at that because the things I reserve first when I'm making my cash lineups is, you know, my double ups, you know, my, my, my large field double ups. Like that's how I start building. And then I go from there. What? <laughs> I don't know. It made me laugh so hard. Just the way you said it. Like when I go in there, I just reserve those double ups, man. I just bully people around, throw some elbows. I get in that $10 <laughs> massive double up and uh, I just flex on them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I do every single week. And, and maybe at this point, the, the people in the lobby are just like, oh, there's Kyle oh, again. There's Kyle again. There he is. Here he comes. Reserving his large field, single entry, <laughs> $25 double up every single week. That's the first thing he does. And then you and I would say post your head-to-heads on Friday or Saturday. This week, you have to do it on Friday. Uh, post those those heads up. Make sure that you limit to only one person or else it will automatically say unlimited and people will bully you. And then, yeah, my tournaments is usually something I don't do until Saturday or Sunday morning. I, I might reserve some of those, but the contest try to open. Yeah, they're trying to get as many people to just burn their money. And I feel like I could be crazy. They're doing a really good job at it. Yep, they are crushing it. They're killing it. If you want to play with us, you can go to BallersDFS.com, get in our DraftKings League, Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. There is a 600-person contest yet again that is live. We will create some new ones for this weekend if you want to be a part of that. A Christmas miracle. A Christmas special. God bless us every single... The Tiny Tim special. I feel like I did that last year. I love that. We're going to do it again. Yeah. uh, Tiny Tim. It'll it'll be good. So go to BallersDFS.com if you want to be a part of that. Bets, sign us off and give us a special Christmas wish. Yeah, man. It should be a great weekend. Obviously, we have the holiday. We have Christmas. We got Christmas Eve. We got two slates of games on Saturday and Sunday. Best of luck to everyone out there. Sincerely, Merry Christmas to you and yours. Enjoy the holiday. Enjoy the football. We will be back next Tuesday to recap it all and look ahead to week 17. Merry Christmas, Bookland. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.